Hello, this is Casey Powell, President of Thompson & Associates, and we are continuing our series of podcasts talking about estate planning red flags and things to watch out for and things to, to avoid. Uh, today, I've got with, with me Bill Gustaf. Bill is, is just an outstanding attorney. He has been with Thompson & Associates for over eight years now and he uh, serves as the president of our legal division. Bill, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. In Bill's role as uh, one of the attorneys for Thompson & Associates, he works with our associates and helps people all over the country look at their state, think about what, what they need to do, what would be best for them, and he literally sees thousands of estates each year and helps people determine what they have, you know, what, what their plan is currently and what they could do to, to improve that plan. And so, so in your time as you're, um, you're, you're, you're looking at all these estate plans, you know, the, the topic that we're going to talk about today I think probably comes up quite a bit. And so what we're going to talk about today is self-prepared estate plans and why a self-prepared estate plan is a red flag and something that, that you know, we just need to, to be careful of and, and look out for. So, so I guess the question to you, Bill, is you know, do you see many self-prepared estate plans uh, you know, in your day-to-day -day activities? I, I, see, uh, I see more than I would like, less than <laughs> I fear. <laughs> And, but but increasingly we see more and more all the time with uh, you know the growth of technology and companies that think that they can just give you a quick turnkey plan with minimal input. Well, so so when we say a, a self-prepared estate plan, what what are we talking about? What what can you can you just give us a description of what that means? Yeah. So uh, before the advent of all the technology, self the typical self-prepared estate plan would be people who you know you see it in the movies all the time. They they're on their deathbed and they write out a will or something like that. So th those are what we'd call, if you ever hear the phrase holographic will, that's the old Greek meaning self-written will. So that's kind of the, the, the Hollywood prototype of a, of a self-done estate plan or self-done will. And then today, obviously, a lot of people think in terms of self-done, they're, they're thinking things like LegalZoom and Rocket Lawyer or, or uh, going to uh, the local office supply store and buying a kit off the shelf. And, and I, I mean, I think back to law school and think about all the law school questions on the holographic wills and you have these elaborate you know, details of uh, the someone, like you say, on their deathbed and they write out a will in their own handwriting and, you know, who gets what in that case. And, it, you know, and, and uh, so does that, is that okay? Um, no. <laughs> Well, you're asking a lawyer. A lawyer is always going to say, "No, that's not okay." Um, you know, I, I will admit that you know it's like a lot of things that uh, that I don't think get done exactly right. I, I, I'm frank with people, and I say in a lot of cases these things work out fine. But sometimes it's because of a wink and a nod, and nobody complains and, and nobody makes trouble. But these these self-done estate plans, they are a hot minefield. Uh, you know, just waiting to explode in people's faces, and and it's obviously not the face of the person who made the estate plan; it's the people they left behind. So, I think it's a bad move. 
I think of Abraham Lincoln's old quote that about lawyers it says he who represents himself has a fool for a client and so <laughs> the same thing seems it kind of applies here you yeah. you wouldn't perform surgery on yourself and especially if you start getting any complexity in your state plan which doesn't necessarily mean money it could just mean something different in, in your plan a blended family all kinds of things it's just, there are all kinds of questions that should be answered that that don't get answered through self-done self-done and executed state plans yeah and, and and i guess you know i i was i said specifically like someone that writes it out with their you know and i'm thinking in my mind someone yep. that writes it with a pen but but yep. uh, you know, i think we need to you know in our discussion right now we we are as you're talking about that you're talking more broad even on the the software programs that that you can get uh you know i know you you can get some financial programs and they'll give you you a free will kit where you can get a will done and and help write a will and and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, so I think they're all problematic um and and I mean we can talk just on those the self-written ones as you mentioned the holographic ones um the one threshold question on those is you know we all see them in the movies but there are a lot of states that don't even recognize self-written wills um our mm -hmm. other our other attorney with Thompson, uh, Jason Meredith, lives in Texas, and it's my understanding from talking to him that Texas does recognize holographic or self-written wills if they meet certain threshold requirements. Um, uh, in my home state of Iowa, we don't recognize them, period. So it doesn't matter how nicely you write it out, they don't recognize holographic handwritten wills. They're just, they're not recognized. Um, well, and, I, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's a good point about, you know, speaking of you, you can you can you speak of something that that is hard to do for these self-prepared estate plans, and that is meet the requirements of the state. Yeah, yeah, that's ex and execution requirements are part of that. So each state has very specific uh, formalities for how a will has to be executed, and sometimes it seems absurd. And I remember a case I remember a case in law school that seemed absurd to me. It was thrown out because, uh, oh, it, it turned on the word declare in the in the state code, and the state code required, among other things, you know, how many witnesses there had to be, how old the witnesses had to be, what the relationship could be, whether they had to be present when the person executed the document, or whether they could sign afterwards, just saying that the, with the person acknowledging their signature. Each state varies on that, but but this one case was where the uh, the uh, the early days of those tubes at the bank where you drive up, the small town bank, they drove up, they sent the will through the tube, everybody could see each other through the windows, they watched each other sign, but on, on the will challenge and testimony, one of the witnesses had to admit under oath that, well, no, the executor, or the uh, testator did not say verbally that it was that it was their last will and testament, but it says that in the document, and the court literally took the word declare to mean what it means, and that means a verbal declaration and the whole will was thrown out. Wow. Wow. So that's that's a big problem with any of these. But, um, uh, you know, in our in one of our company calls recently, we went through a, a oh, one of the most absurd examples I saw of a self a holographic handwritten will recently, and it was missing all kinds of things. It had things in there about that the the person wanted to be cremated. Well, by the time a will is read, they may be buried rather than cremated. <laughs> so so it's just not the place for that. Um, it, it talked about, uh, it used vague terms like uh, uh, that my my money and bank accounts go to, and it gave a name, 
but uh, you know, I guess I would have thought bank accounts were money. Uh, it was very vague as to what it covered, and, uh, and then it said my car and possessions are given to, and it gives to, to charity, and it did not have had anything had nothing in there to do with the res, residuary clauses to what would happen to the rest of the assets. So those were just three quick things on a, and and I think I had about eight more in that particular will <laughs> that we went through. That just yeah. there are all kinds of things that it lacked an attestation clause saying that this was my last will and testament. It, it lacked any kind of clause as to what the, whether, who the witnesses were or whether they saw the person sign or not. So I, um, I think whoever inherits that will, the probate attorney is going to have a nice probate fee trying to sort through the mess. Yeah, well, and, and, and I think you hit on something there that, that you know, maybe we can talk about a little bit. And, and you know, just thinking of you know, why do people do their, the self-prepared estate plans? And, and I mean, it, they, they do it because a lot of times it's a lot cheaper. You know, sometimes an estate plan isn't isn't cheap. I mean, to, to get a, a, a will drafted, um, it, it, it it's an investment. Um, yeah. And so so some people just want to get out and, and not pay as much. And so so they feel like they can just do an, a self-prepared, you know, plan, get a piece of software and, and do a will. So So when people ask you, you know, is this going to be okay? Can I do this? Uh, can can I just go online and, and I'm you know and, and do a a will online? Is that okay? What what's your response to that? Well, I I go back to the old Latin caveat emptor, right? Buyer beware. <laughs> so um, and back and back to my Lincoln quote there about representing yourself having and being having a fool for a client. Uh, you the one of the threshold things you'll do there is people choose the wrong estate plan. So if somebody ends up with a, an estate plan that has a, an estate tax issue in it, for example, and they choose a plan that does not address the estate tax issues, that's a very costly mistake. They may save a few hundred, even a thousand or two thousand dollars or something, or you know, maybe, maybe, maybe more thousand. Maybe, maybe they're in a state or jurisdiction where it would cost three to five to do a, a proper plan that deals with estate tax issues. It'll vary region by region, of course. and. Uh, but let's go to the extreme of that and say it would have cost them 5000 to do a proper estate plan. If they're that kind of a plan, they probably have significant estate tax issues, which begin at 40% of the first dollar over the exemption limit. So if, if somebody has a million dollar million dollars of their estate taxable and they did the improper plan because they were just trying to get by cheap, well, that that's about a $400,000 mistake right there, just, just, if, just if you had a in today's dollars, a six and a half million dollar estate yeah. with with life insurance. So, yeah. so choosing the wrong type of plan is just that's kind of a threshold question. Um, and I already touched on the execution requirements. You know, if if they're not executed properly, um, not only the tax tax issues are just one of the problems at that point. Then you're going to have a you could have a will contest and a fight on your hands about uh, whether the will's even valid and and whether your child who you least wanted to have the money is going to get anything at all right all kinds of things okay well it's i mean i you know i think it's you know you're coming through loud and clear is hey don't do it <laughs> just don't do it um but but there are a lot of people out there that that have them and so you know what what are what are can you just like talk about some some mistakes that you have seen um in these in these self-made plans yeah um so this list, as you know, Casey, could go on ad nauseum. 
<laughs> but sure. but here, so, so maybe, here's maybe some... pick a maybe pick some of the, the most common ones and and I, I guess what what I'm trying to get at is, is for for our listeners to to you know maybe they've got one and and maybe they they're say you know looking at their own plan is well maybe I think mine's okay you know and so so maybe hit a couple of the just the most yep. common and, and you know most damning problems. Yep. So these, so these are going to be some common issues, and I, I, I kind of have a list here of things I've seen in recent, you know, recent being within the last several years, but just mistakes that I've seen in in self-done wills. And one common one that I've seen more than once is the, the failure, maybe the failure to name executors, which is a pretty big oversight. Yeah. Um, and and at least you know, at least the little zooms and such will will at least you know they'll they'll give you a question that at least prompt you to do that, and you say, well, I won't miss that because the program or the or the form has one. Well, but what about backups? And and you know, what if um, what if you name an executor, it's your child, and your child lives out of state, and your state code, which all state codes do, I believe, say that that an executor needs to be a resident of the state. You know, there are ways to solve that, but an attorney would have talked you through that and said, well, you can name your child, but they may need to name a co-executor who's a resident of the state. So just the questions like that that don't get answered. Um, I mentioned one in that holographic will putting end-of-life decisions in a will. Uh, people confuse will with the term living will all the time, and they're not the same thing at all. Um, they, they deal with totally different time, time situations, you know, ones that, ones that at the, right before death and life-sustaining life decision, health decisions, and the other is uh, after death. Um, I've seen people leave assets to pets. I don't know of any jurisdiction in the United States I don't know of any jurisdiction in the world, maybe, but uh, certainly in the United States, pets are property. They are not people, and uh, you, they are not entitled to inherit assets. So if you leave assets to a pet, you effectively left property to property, and it's an invalid, it's an invalid bequest. It can't be done. Um, I've had to work with people through oh, unenforceable or vague conditions for assets to receive heirs. Uh, one of my more extreme examples was a uh, a parent who wanted to determine whether her child could use uh, non-organic deodorants and other things, and I talked her off that ledge, <laughs> wow. and uh, I, you know, tried to tell her that nobody's going to be able to enforce that condition. <laughs> yeah. And but people get these ideas, and and uh, often well-intentioned, but they but they're either unenforceable or they're or they're vague. Um, Another common one that I use, especially with people with, who have young children, are just bad guardianship provisions. All kinds of things surround guardianship. Um, is it is it if you name a married couple? So I name John and Mary to be guardians of my kids, and and I I tell them I tell them I zero on this that right away. Here's a question that LegalZoom won't ask you: Did you mean John and Mary, or John or Mary? Hmm. Because who? What's the relationship there? Oh well, Mary's my sister. And if I say, well, what if John and Mary get a divorce and you don't change your will? You know, are, are you, you know, now you have a mar an, an unmarried couple. Are you, do you really want them both? Well, no, I guess I want Mary. Oh, so you want Mary and you're okay with John as long as John's mar married to Mary. Right. And so you tease those sorts of things out. There's language I can put in a will pretty, that's not that difficult to draft, but makes it quite clear what the intentions are there. Um, Succession, along the same lines, succession of a guardian. Um, some people, they say, well, no, if, if, the, if the couple I named is not married, 
I guess I'd rather go to the next couple that we've named. Well, that's, again, that's, that's pretty easy to draft, but it's not addressed in the do-it-yourself programs. Mm -hmm. uh, stipends to guardians, do you, leave, do you leave assets to them, or, or is the fact that a trust fund might be available for children to offset costs enough? All kinds of questions that surround guardians. Um, yeah. okay. a, a big one you and I see in our work, Casey, is uh, failure to coordinate beneficiary designations and provisions with, with the will. Um, I, depending on how glib I can be with somebody when, I, when I'm, uh, or how tongue-in-cheek I can be with them, we'll see provisions in a will that, that say, I direct my, my life insurance, you know, my XYZ company life insurance to, to my, my brother. But the life insurance has a contract that has its own beneficiary designation. And I can look at the client and I can say, well, when I read your will says it wants to direct your life insurance, I say, so what? Your will has no control over that. It's controlled by beneficiary designation. And if those aren't coordinated, it can really mess up a plan uh, badly. What? Bill, well, that's a really good segue to, to the, the next podcast that, that we're going to, that's in the series, which is uh, your non-probate assets and, and coordinating yeah. those. So that's, that's uh, the, the, these tie together. They, a lot of these go together. Yeah. So, well, I can, I can go on with others, but I, you, you tell me what more examples are. Yeah. <laughs> or if that's well, I, you know, I think, I think the bottom line is you know, that, that I, I'm, I'm hearing a common theme is, you know, there are, there are things that are just, Maybe maybe subtle things that that a, a conversation with an estate planning attorney would solve, and you know having these conversations is is you know with, with them and they think through this. You know that's what they do. That's what an estate planning attorney does is, is draft wills. And and so our, our strong suggestion is go to an expert to get a will done. This may be the most important decision that you make as far as your finances and your assets that you'll ever make in your life, don't do it on your own. You know, don't, don't do it on your own. You, you really need help. And, and uh, we just see so many red flags, so many mistakes uh, with a self-prepared estate plan. And uh, we, we just strongly recommend uh, to get expert help. And yes, it does cost something, but it will save so much more <laughs> headache and and probably money as well uh, in the long yeah. run. Absolutely. So. Maybe maybe to reinforce that in a, as a closing comment, Jeremy Farr and our company is fond of saying at our seminars that uh, the transferring your state is the single biggest financial trans transfer you'll ever make in your lifetime, or in, lifetime or upon death. Yeah. And if uh, you know if if you were going to go make significant gift during your lifetime of real estate or stock or something, you'd probably spend a little bit of money to get wise counsel to make sure it's done properly. Yeah. Well, your estate is many times that size of that gift, and it, it's worth an investment to make sure it's done properly. That's right. That's right. Well, Bill, thank you. been very, very good, and, and uh, I think your, your message comes through loud and clear in your conviction with not liking self-prepared estate plans and, and guiding people away from them. So thanks. All right. Thank you.